Valentine's Valentine's Eve and I'm in the Flatiron Wine Cellar <laughs> with Mistress Salem in her Valentine's pink hair. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome to episode 10 of the Flatiron Happy Hour podcast and we are live in the wine cellar on Valentine's Eve. <laughs> and my guest is my friend. We're having an amazing cocktail. <laughs> yeah, my friend who is a the empress of the dungeon entrepreneur, professional dominatrix, and an advocate for sex workers. And I would like to introduce, she's currently based in Philadelphia, Mr. Salem. Welcome to the program. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for coming to hang out. Um, this, we're sitting here right now, started with a text message this morning of I'm sad. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, when a goth girl's like sad, you so like. We've been friends for a lot of years, <laughs> yeah. so you've seen me have some real like sad <laughs> Yeah. Episodes. I have like times here and there where I'm I'm pretty down in the dumps. Yeah. So this was a sad text, and I was like, okay, we'll fix that. I was like, come over and we'll do a sad goth girl Valentine's podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have the mistress on. And what? So I guess what we'll do is we will eventually get to the crescendo of the episode. Will be the mistress will give us some Valentine's tips for a healthy relationship. <laughs> but before that. We're going to let her give a little introduction of kind of her career and how she got to where she is now. And then I would like her to talk a little bit about, you know, in the media right now, there's a lot going on with censorship and especially censorship with sex workers and a lot of the different media platforms and things like that. So if you could maybe try to break that down for people listening to like make Mm -hmm. them understand what that means for somebody who actually utilizes that as a source of income in their life. Right, right. So So to start out, I currently have my own business where I'm operating a pay dungeon, um, which was before COVID. It was on a website called Kink B&B, and it was like a, a sex room for rent. And I was renting it to people for use in photo shoots, you know, for webcamming, for meeting up with people. So I kind of had my own little, like, um, you know, like studio for rent going on there. And I've been slowing down with doing that because of everything that's transpired in the past year. And I've been a professional dominatrix for five years now, full time. And I couldn't even begin to tell you how that came about. I actually started meeting people that were already kind of in that business and got pulled into it by people who kind of felt like this is a good place for your personality. (laughs) Sad, sad goth girl. Yes, yes. Like, like kind of a miserable bitch. Like, here is a place where that you will absolutely thrive. And it totally worked. Like, I hate to admit it. Like, you kind of have to be kind of sarcastic and a little bit, um, like, I've seen it all when you get to the point that you can do that job. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so what would you say maybe, I guess, what what, what would be an example of a not so good experience like some like short story maybe of like just an example of what like a bad day at the office would be a bad day well certain people can be really flaky with us 
because they're like fighting with their feelings whether or not they should go through with what they've been trying to do. So there's some people that book sessions with us and then they get too afraid to show up. So we have to take all of the payment ahead because that happens maybe like one in three times where someone's like not ready to cope with the fact that they have a foot fetish. <laughs> you know, they're like fantasizing about going to do this. They book the appointment and then they like chicken out <laughs> before they can actually go through with it. Wow. I'm not even kidding. Like people are just so not okay with themselves. <laughs> what what are you what have you done in the COVID time? And I mean, you know, you were talking a little bit earlier in your intro about, you know, what you were doing pre-COVID with the dungeon and things like that. What really has your pivot kind of been of how you've been spending your time when it's different? It looks different now than it did a year ago. Right. So I signed up for a site called Night Flirt and I started doing like broadcasting from my dungeon. So now I'm attracting um, worshipers and submissives from all over the world over webcam. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were saying something about 40,000. You said you just got the 40,000 yep. followers or subscribers yes, on, or something. Yeah. On Night yeah. Flirt. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. But that many people see somebody, somebody new on there and are like, save, favorite, follow. You know, like that many people... Wow. are in those sites and it's kind of like a hidden side of the internet where I didn't realize how many subscribers there are on these sites like when you start going to Pornhub just the amount of material you know it's huge <laughs> wow. what would you say um what would you say the future is going to look like say 12 months from now kind of in the industry and kind of like the vibe that you're getting and the people that you're talking to, what do you think it's going to look like 12 months from now? So a lot of people are actually at the point where they're like, they've been spending so much time inside Skyping with other people, different mistresses that have dungeons that they're actually planning on like flying out to that place to go to that place. So yeah. I have the potential for, there are some people that are in other parts of the United States that wanted to fly to Philadelphia and like live out some of their fantasies in my home dungeon. Wow. You know, so it started to attract like an almost like international, national, like destination sex work. That's where I think it's going. And destination sex work. Destination sex work. Like. And the empress of the dungeon running the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good, man. What would you say are some of the obstacles, you know, getting into the, you know, the censorship piece? Kind of explain what the obstacles that are coming forth with both the pay sites, you know, the, the processings of payments, as well as just censorship of information and photographs and videos, et cetera. You know, how does that really affect, you know, someone who's trying to make right, a living right. like you're doing? So I kind of freaked out a little bit the other day because Larry Flint passed away. And mm -hmm. He was one of the people that threw the most money towards free speech campaigns because of Hustler Magazine. He funded a lot of political campaigns to keep adult industries alive. So he felt like that should just be part of America. And he actively used a lot of his money to keep that the way it is now. And with him passing, I was thinking cringe because I don't know if there's anyone else right now that has that much money that would be that much of an advocate for keeping adult media alive. Um, What's been going on right now is there's just been a major turn, I'm going to say maybe past five to ten years, where we were talking about 
you know, in Philadelphia, you used to go to anywhere and pick up the city paper or um, the Philadelphia Weekly. Philadelphia Weekly, yeah. There'd always be ads in the back for escorts, always for a different kind of sex work. It was always just in those papers. And it kind of was thought of as like, well, if you don't like it, don't look. But I can't remember what happened with them ending that. But it seems like whenever adult media gets kicked off of any random platform, whether it be it's no longer in the city paper or whether Tumblr gets rid of its porn and changes its guidelines, then that makes the users just not want to stick around. You know, a lot of the things that are more edgy and risque that are making people like attracted to that site or funding them. You know, like the city paper, half the advertising, I believe, at one point in time was all, you know, adult-based industries. So when they quit doing that, you know, that's why we don't have papers anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, that 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 was really, honestly, we talked, we just talked about it when we were coming down into the wine cellar was that I used to be so excited when I lived in Old City when it was Thursday and Friday to get the city paper and the Philly Weekly and like... To see where the DJs were playing, to see what bands were playing right, where. Right. It would always talk and about like new restaurants. The opening. restaurant, the big restaurant, like the the restaurant review. Right, what bands were coming through? Yeah, yeah. Like Trocadero would always have an the ad. Truck. Yeah, shout out to the truck. <laughs> yeah. So talking about more of like the future and like destination, you know, we were talking earlier. Do you see more of people being more nomadic and sex workers being more nomadic as well? Yes. I have a few friends that do online sex work that have been aspiring to move over to basically being digital nomads. You know, talking about living in more like Airbnb-type places and then going between places in an RV. You know, able to have a lot more freedom in where you live to kind of take it with you on the road. Yeah. And sex oh, that's, work. That's cool, yeah. That's yeah, cool. sex work is, uh, has allowed a lot of people to have a lot more time than a lot of other occupations. You know, you can find time where you can travel between different cities. You can meet people in other cities and um, book at other people's dungeons, things like that. You know, you start to network and find out when is a good time to be somewhere based on tourism. Yeah, event, like different events. Or events. How, how is, you know, you had a point there saying like, oh, you know, visiting a dun- different dungeon or whatever. How is, you know, city to city, how is the community? Because it seems like in Philly, the community kind of sticks together, it right. seems. But in general, like, is it like city to city? Is there that reciprocity of like that, like they'll help you and things like that. A lot of people go to events that are larger than just any one city. So you start to meet people at things like there's a convention in LA called DomCon. It's like a a national dominatrix convention, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) things like that. Or you start to meet people at Exotica, you know, to where, and then a lot of people actually do work from home and they'll go back and forth between different cities. So it's almost like the entire industry like exists online to where it's, it's more of like our home is actually online. (laughs) Your home is online and then just happens to be where you're broadcasting right, from, where at, broadcasting that, from at that time. Because a lot of people just end up in a lot of different places. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the digital nomad thing sounds fun. I know one girl, my friend Val, her and her husband both, and they've been, she's a writer for National Geographic, I think. Right. And they just, they live in, in the U.S., you know, just around the U.S., but like different places, different times of the year. Right. It seems like they're super happy doing that. Right. I've met some people that had kind of invested their time into doing that, where, 
you know, they had bought properties and they had them listed on Airbnb, things like that. And they would go back and forth between the Poconos one part of the year. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes South Carolina, like different places. So they had different times of the year to enjoy different things. Yeah. Oh, tough. All right. I think it'd be fun. It, it, describe to the fans um, what your idea is for, uh, you know, your Poconos. Them little, oh my that, gosh! That little, I've been trying the, to fund this for years. Yeah, the little house but I thing. I thought you about do. having like an Airbnb in the in the woods. There was two different ideas I had for it. That little a what they call the them a, a frame. Is that called yes. the a frame? Is that what it's called? Proper Where name it for it. Either be like a dungeon for rent. <laughs> a dungeon for rent, right next to Jack Frost. Right. <laughs> Coming winter twenty twenty one. Right, and then the other idea that I had with it was more of just like a place um, that was like a girly cabin in the woods because most of the like cabins, a bachelorette pad yeah it's <laughs> like, like the a bachelorette. bachelorette pad because most of the most of the cabins have like you know like hunting dude decor so what if it was just a really cute like hello kitty cabin in the like woods? A, a, <laughs> yeah a unicorn a unicorn hello kitty cabin in the woods yeah and totally I'll, I'll tell you what <laughs> yeah we're gonna have we give shout out to fran because we'll get fran you and fran can design <laughs> so fran i'm just hiring you to help cynthia Design a Hello Kitty cabin in the woods. It would be such a hit, though. Imagine, like, people with young children or, like, fun girls yeah. night out. Yeah, girls weekend. Night. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, it is Valentine's weekend, and love is in the air. The line at the liquor store was super long for the past four days everywhere. Oh, my God, it has been. Um, but what would... Miss Mr. Salem give to advice to like men, women, couples. Let's talk about some of the mistresses like tips for like healthy relationships, you know, good sex. Like what would be what would the mistress give as like some information to a new couple who was trying to spice things up or something like that. Honestly, like I feel like more of my premise would be actually like who you decide to be in a relationship with. Like, that's where I'm at with it, to where, like, you start to have, like, when you get later on in life and figure out who's going to be, like, a decent partner and who isn't, that's where I'm at with it. And I think my number one people where I'd say don't even attempt is if someone is that close-minded and a prude, I feel like that's just those people are lost. If you meet someone and you immediately find out that they're a complete prude, just pat them on the head and let them go. Because I feel like if that's someone that's just so uncomfortable with their body... And who they are, that it's like, you're in such a bad mindset, maybe you shouldn't be dating other people. Like, whenever I've met someone that was really sexually judgmental towards other people, I'm like, you know how unattractive that is, hearing someone act that way? You know, like, that's the number one thing where I said, if you're a person that, you know, is trying to grow as a person, have some good sexual experiences, you can't surround yourself with people that are going to judge stuff like that. And there's always those people out there. And if you find out that you happen to be meeting someone and getting involved with them, I would say straight up, like, that's my number one tip. Is if one person considers themselves to be, like, a sexually adventurous person and the other one is completely in the other direction, it's not going to work. <laughs> well, it's, it's an interesting take on it. I mean, I never, I never thought of work. it from that I angle. I meet yeah. people as a sex worker where one person's on the scale of being almost a sex addict 
the other one will be like almost asexual and they get themselves in these situations where they're with someone for companionship, which is fine, but it ends up with And then the mistress has to come into the rescue on Valentine's Weekend. start having to find a way to act out what they're looking for sexually because their partners are completely uninterested. And I guess, I guess I see it both ways, but I think that anyone that you would want to be with long-term you know, like people's brains, what they're into starts to change with age. You know, like a lot of people when they get older weren't into certain things. Like a lot of people tell me they didn't realize how much they appreciated like feet or shoes or something like that. That, you know, later on in life, they started to change what they were looking for or found attractive. And, you know, if your tastes change and your partner's doesn't, people grow apart. So then they start finding other ways to like have a healthy way to act that out. But I hear a lot of that, you know, where people stay together and they're just like, we never were that sexually attracted to each other. And I guess I always just feel like, wow, that's a relationship I don't know if I could handle being in. Yeah. What what percentage would you say of the people that you see and spend time with are maybe a couple just like positive, healthy, where there's like nothing kind of weird going on, like... Is Sadly, that kind of ra- really rare for that? It's really rare because for the longest time I've watched a scenario where a guy and a girl are together. The guy's a little older, the girl's a little younger. And he's trying to coach her into having a fantasy of being bi and trying to force her to be like, oh, don't you want to make out with her? Like kind of trying to push it because they're trying to have a three-way with their girlfriend and someone else. And it turns out, I know there's exceptions to this, but oftentimes it's the guy kind of like imposing that fantasy on the girl and it's making her clearly uncomfortable, but she's going along with it for the acceptance. And it's like hard to watch. And, you know, having those kind of scenarios where like one partner is way more into it than the other. (laughs) You know, obviously if they're seeking out a sex worker, it's somebody's idea and they had to go through with it. No judgment ever for me. It's just more like, wow, these people need to have a discussion about what's going on in their relationship because having that kind of an experience, trying to patch things up, isn't going to patch your relationship up. It's just a sexual adventure. It's not going to fix what you really have going on. completely independent of the actual relationship. If you're not getting along with your partner and you think, let's go find a sex worker is going to fix things, no. (laughs) People do this. You know, they think, oh, let's spice it so up. So they think that they think that that adventure or that escapade for that night or whatever is something that would be like a patch, right? Or leaf. that you know they haven't been as sexually interested in each other. Maybe if they try spicing things up, and then I find that when couples start trying to do that, if there's already been arguments going on or they don't have good communication, you just made it even worse. <laughs> you know, because then people wow. have to live with the. They have to live with the fact that they just completed this act with someone and that it may not have gone the way they wanted it to go. You know? Yeah, well. Or they don't like the way their partner reacted or they felt like they were being ignored or they felt like their partner really was just cheating on them. They, You know, it wasn't what they wanted it to be, so then you have a whole new set of issues. Yeah, that's that's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there, I guess, depending on the situations, right? A lot of couples who get into that either break up or they start just realizing they should be in an open relationship without the other one involved, because right. it's that people trying to have a three-way thing. Like that's not going to fix your relationship. <laughs> wow, words of wisdom. People never think of that, though. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's just interesting to you know when I ask you these questions and. and 
you know, you speaking on your perspective of it, mm -hmm. it's completely a completely different angle than I even comprehend of thinking about mm -hmm. it. And you're also, you know, front row seat witnessing and in the mix of it, un you know, understanding it. So like, you know, talking about yeah. it, like, yeah. you know, like you talk about it, it's like, you're like, you're right there. Right. You and know? like, I feel like a lot of what I do is I'm at the point where I'm like performing sexual counseling for people over them trying to negotiate like this is something that they're into and they're either disgusted with themselves for being into it or they have a partner that's not into it and they're trying to find a way to like act it out in a healthy way without upsetting the other person, things like that. But I think also what people would be surprised to know is how many people's partners are aware that they use services of sex workers and don't care. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you, know, you know, that it's like I mean, a whole new generation saying, you know what, if they're going about this in a safe way, they're not exploiting someone and they just spend all their time and their money on this website, then you know what, that's theirs to do that with. It's harmless. Like I hear that from people here and there. So I think there's just been a lot of acceptance. There's actually some progress being made. There's you been think. some progress where it's not considered to be like, oh my gosh, what a disgusting person they have porn. It's considered like. Yeah, a majority of the internet has looked at porn before. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, what do you think is, you know, what are some things, I guess the way to frame the question, because you end up being a lot of involved in those situations that end up being like heavily like a lot of emotion and mental stuff, you know, mental health becomes a thing. Right. So what do you do or what kind of resources do you utilize for, you know, that part of, you know, your care? Because I feel like the intensity of being in that and with that emotional stuff, it has so, to take a toll on you. That's one of the coolest experiences I've had in my life where sex worker community is very, very, very tight. Because what we do is so far out from the regular of what other people are doing a lot of us spend a lot of time talking to each other about a lot of it almost as like self-counseling because a lot of the things that we deal with are we're being paid to deal with people a lot of times that are either using money to get what they want and they're kind of just assholes to deal with, you know, like kind of pompous about I own you because I pay you kind of thing. And then there's also a lot of people that are kind of um, – I would say like high functioning autism, a lot of things like that where people have like communication difficulties. So there's that barrier that I've dealt with a lot where people had like wow. sensory issues. And then, you know, I deal with a lot of people that feel like they're incapable of ever being in a relationship ever again. They've straight up just given up and decided to seek out whatever they were looking for and paying for it instead of upsetting whatever they had going on. And I think that's a whole other level of acceptance. And I think that's something I'd like to see in my lifetime is that people start to accept that if you're paying sex workers for their time, you're actually doing something ethical as opposed <laughs> to like exploitively like downloading material for free, things like that, like pay people for their art. That's what I feel, you know, like a lot of people were comparing um, girls that sell content on OnlyFans as like a farmer's market of porn. Like just buy it straight from the seller, you know? Yeah. Well, I, th I think, you know, you bring up the point about art. I think that's important because, you know, I know that you have, a, you know, uh, a design background. Yes. And I know that a lot of the things you do, you do it with 
the artistic piece in mind of yes. how it presents and things like that. Yes. So my other can you talk, career yeah, was talk a little bit about that. And TV set design. So I was able to kind of take that to a smaller level to where I'll put together different sets for people to shoot photos in that will have different themes to them. You know, different kind of furniture that works well with the props and the wardrobe and things like that. So that's been the cool experience of where I live. I can pull together some different furniture, different rugs, make it look like a completely different scene. So different scenes for content can be shot in the same day. You know, so people can get a lot of work done and really get... Maximum efficiency maximum for what efficiency. they're spending their money. Right. So for a lot of people that shoot content, you know, they'll put new things up every Friday so they can bring two or three outfits, use different areas of the house, and then give themselves like three weeks of content to put on their only and one shot. things like that. So, so then they necessarily then can spend the time then, I guess, doing the live stuff. Right. And the content just right. post regularly, right. right? They set it up to right. post regularly. So instead of, you know, a lot of people will start out just in their bedroom and maybe use different rooms in their own house. But, you know, as they gain more followers, they want to build their product and make it look better. So then they start looking for places on Airbnb. And believe it or not, Airbnb is talking about how they actually don't want sex workers on their site. Wow. <laughs> Now, um, so with, you know, sex workers can't be on that, you know, they don't want them on that site. They get kicked off the pay services. Like what is the, what's the alternatives and what, what do people who are utilizing sex work to put food on their table? How are they managing currently with the way that all these different sensors and, restrictions are happening what what is how are people operating very carefully um there was a series i was watching two weeks ago no like three weeks ago now that was on pornhub live that was a sex worker survival guide and jessa was on it and jessa was on it and they were talking about how right now here's the only way that you can receive payment through these apps you need to register as an llc with just a a generic business. If it's anything to do with sex work or they know that you're doing that, using a PayPal account, you can't have the account. So, you know, people talk about how they all have to find ways to make their business legitimate. You know, whether it's proving that we've paid taxes, even if we've paid taxes anonymously. You know, like we have extra hoops to go through where it's abiding by the laws of whatever city or township we're into. Wow. It's definitely started to change things, but across the United States, we've always had issues with censorship. I mean, when you look at what New York City looked like in the 70s and 60s versus when it started getting really cleaned up in the 90s, it was just this thought of, like, this has to go. As a culture, we're ready to move past having these red light districts. You know, they felt like it was bringing America down, and that's where we're at with the Internet, where people are saying that, like, it's keeping the Internet from being a family-friendly place because people are worried now about their kids constantly stumbling into getting seen porn. You know, they're but saying... you have to seek it out, though. It doesn't just pop up in your... You know what I mean? Like, when, you, when you're, like, on Google, like, porn just doesn't pop up in no, your... No, I get you, it. You know what I mean? Just, like, you like gotta it's say, so you gotta find easy it. to get... It's so easy to get a hold of. Oh, no, it's easy, but I'm saying you still got to find it, though. It doesn't come to you. Oh, no, I get it. You know? I get it. Yeah. Just but there's always those stories of someone that'll say, like, my child was on YouTube, and then the next thing I know, <laughs> you know, they ended up with this video that was totally inappropriate. <laughs> and it's kind of like, 
Then you need to go to YouTube with that to change their algorithm. Yeah. Next thing you know, they're on behind the scenes at the dungeon. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Making waffles with the mistress on Sunday morning. No, it's like really starting to bother me now how, excuse me, starting to bother me now that this is catching on where people are really starting to say like, okay, enough. I mean, you've seen this year Instagram pulled back and said they were severely starting to limit how much nudity was allowed, how many references to adult content, and how a lot of porn stars, even if their accounts were not pornographic in nature, just based on who they were, were kicked off the platform. Yeah, I I read one article. It was like two people that had 600,000 and somebody else, like giant, they were giant, uh, had giant audiences, and they got their stuff taken away. I forget who they were, but it was nuts. So some of us decided to try to go over to Parlor before Parlor closed uh, because it was a place for free speech, so they weren't going to kick sex workers off. Yeah. And that was actually like some of the funny, um, funniest online experiences of my entire life. Wow, that was what, like <laughs> three days? It was on up for like three days. Those guys. Yeah, it was all there. Republicans and then sex workers. It was a very <laughs> odd group of. You know, because Twitter's even now starting to look at nudity and look at things like that. And they were known as like one of the last outposts where people right, could right, post right. their whereabouts as a sex worker. Yeah. Like we don't have Backpage anymore. That's been long gone. Um, Craigslist is long gone. All these resources that were around 10 years ago, gone. Yeah. So things have moved on to. What do you think is the most valuable tool for someone? in your line of work at the current time, like in this climate, what's the most valuable thing, skill or tool that you can have? Truthfully, I think it's um, being able to learn different platforms quickly because I'm realizing how fast they come and go. You know, Uh like we were talking about Parler. Like if you're going to start using an app like that, you may have, you have to learn how to use it immediately. You have to click through and start realizing. I have to learn every, every button, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's some websites where you may end up on the front page within one day. So prepare for a ton of traffic. You know, things like that where, like, um, on Chatterbait, if you're new, there's a whole section of new people. So it just promotes them. So people have to be ready immediately and adapt to how to do these things. And there's not really any instruction on how to do any of this. So it's kind of like sink or swim, jump in and see if you can do it or not. And whether people are watching or tipping. So you, it's just kind of trial by fire. Figure out how long you can go and do it. And, you know, it's, it's um, there's no right or wrong way to do it. You kind of have to just wing it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think was the biggest thing that helped you kind of get comfortable doing it and, like, deal with all those things? I had already, like, 15 years of real-world experience talking to people, whether it was working in restaurants or then, like, going out to nightclubs and things. Yeah, so you, you, know, you just had a base of, like, a right, database of information. Already. A lot of people that get into doing online sex work, you can tell, are more shy about it. Things like that where I'm like, I actually don't care. I'll talk to anyone about anything, <laughs> you know? Right, right. You know, and, like, all my years, I've heard a lot of stuff, so I can relate to the people, and I don't feel like any of it's a shock. Because I've been hearing some pretty crazy stuff for years. Yeah, the stories. Yeah, the stories. They're always intense. You know, like all my stories I always tell you are crazy. Someone told me that they had a a Karen fetish because they would watch these videos of like Central Park Karen, like yelling at people and be like secretly turned on. So now they get turned on when they see the girls with the Karen hair and they're like, oh, I bet she's such a bitch. (laughs) 
whoa, man. <laughs> you know, like funny little things the internet, that I find the out. Internet, like the internet, the is, internet always wins. It's undefeated. The internet always wins. The internet, is un- <laughs> the internet will always be undefeated. Yeah, that's kind of where I think the future is going. Where That's what I was talking about, people, like in a hypothetical level. it's If you think you're going to end people lusting after sex... <laughs> By kicking it off the internet, like good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, and just you know, it's just gonna go somewhere else underground and weird. Right, I think it's gonna end up with maybe like its own dark web. You think that? Like you think that's what? You think place. that's what's gonna ha- end right, up happening? Like private VPNs, things like that, because one, Bitcoin private B- VPNs. Bitcoin, yeah, things like that. Because so we were talking about how Visa and Mastercard suspended all of their payment processing for Pornhub. To where you can't use those cards on that site to buy oh. things anymore. Hmm. That's, that's crazy. Right. So all these people that were used to just buying things that way now have to go find another way to pay. So they've all started to move over to... Um, I think this is going to push people to using Bitcoin sooner than later and different cryptocurrency. Because yeah. so much of the internet, whether people want to admit it or not, is adult related and if they start not taking payment from visa or mastercard they're not going to kill the website people are just going to find a way you yeah, know we'll just find another way to do it right? yeah yeah i mean people were i read an article i read an article yesterday so you know the you know the captain hook or whatever the dark web drug guy yes so i guess he had three hundred thousand bitcoins wow some guy bought them at an auction for like 29 million I'm going to say or 19 million or something. Right. They're worth like 1.48 billion right now. <laughs> oh my god. And, and like you know what I mean? Like the guy bought them like at a cheap price off the act. Oh, Someone act. I know who's a former sex worker was in on the GameStop stock. Yeah. <laughs> Did she crush and make money? Yeah. Awesome. Go for her. <laughs> but guess her. how she found out about that? As a sex worker, we talk to a lot of people. All the computer, the, yep. the computer geeky dudes, right? All the computer right? geeks. All the computer dudes doing networking stuff. They know about all that stuff. Yes, first. <laughs> that's what they're. That's their hobby. You know, like a lot of the people that use Reddit. So we found out about it because that's our customers. <laughs> wow. Yo, so the sex workers got in on the GameStop. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to hear. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about. Um, all the censorship and things like that. And my mind is just blown because this is just stuff that I always thought, like, this is just America. You know, you just, it's always been part of America. Like, as, a lo- as long as I've been alive, I mean, even when I was a kid, you'd still know that there was, like, Hustler and Playboy and different magazines like that at the counters, and they're just covered in plastic, and they're not for kids. You know? It's, yeah. But it was still there. You know, when we were in college, we used to go to the mall and get rolling papers and Playboy. <laughs> 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 and Matt Plank would buy, like, X-rated <laughs> cheerleaders or something. Oh, totally. <laughs> well, I was talking about, like, going to a trip to a porn store. Like, it's like, oh, I'm 18. Now I can go. <laughs> Card <Yeah>. me. I'm <laughs> going to buy penthouse. When we were at Millersville, there was a place called Route 222 News, and it was like a bong shop. It was a bong shop, like a porn store, and like a booth spot. <laughs> like all, it was like on the side. You of know, the some townships never allowed porn stores. They thought it was just too controversial. 
when we were talking about Larry Flint. So I'm going to have to correct myself if I'm wrong, but Hustler, like Larry Flint, he used a lot of his money to keep his stores open because there was a legal fight over that even being open. People thought that those boutiques existing like violated the decency laws. <coughs> wow. You know, because people were like, this is just too accessible because you'd see it driving down the street because it had the sign like McDonald's that said like Larry Flint's like yeah. <laughs> Larry Flint land. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and people would be like, well, you should, children are going to drive by and they shouldn't know what this is. And it's like, it's still going to exist whether there's a sign for it or not, you know? Yeah. <laughs> How about, I got a good idea. What would be your, what would be the mistress's dream Valentine's date? I really wanted to go snowboarding again this year, like on Camelback. Like, I feel like that would be the best thing to do this time of year. Like, if the weather were perfect, February is the right time to, like, be in the Poconos. So, boarding in the Poconos. Yes. And then you can, like, drink with friends at the mountains, have a nice time. All right. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Now, with the ice tonight, would you be able to board if, like, if it was actually today and you were up there the way the ice is? It, it probably, in Poconos, it's probably snowing, though. But they still have a snow machine running usually, too, to make it less packed in. Yeah. What else would you say to any couples about any other tips for them to... Not necessarily like have a mistress or a third person, just things like ways to communicate. Because I always tell when we have conversations, you always tell me that like communication is like the key to the whole thing. It really is because people sometimes just don't tell their partner things. You know, like people will talk about, oh, you know, that I guess just in the minute something didn't feel good. And they were like, yeah, I really don't think I'm into that. You kind of have to tell that person that that was not, that that did not feel good. Some people will just go along with it, you know, like oh, this is awkward. So you kind of have to think about like what made the situation awkward, and, and then also back to yeah, there. and then people kind of have to have a level of like sense of humor with it too because human bodies are hilarious, you know. <laughs> like we all our bones make creaky noises. Like as I get older, like you're like creaking. You can hear your joints popping. You know, like, you have to just accept your body for what's going on, and you can't even be embarrassed about stuff like that. You know, like, I see that a lot, where one person talks about how, like, they feel like as they've gotten older, they enjoy sex less because they're afraid they may injure themselves. Dead serious. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, you know. Right, but you kind of have to talk about this with someone, like. Yeah, yoga, man. Do yoga. (laughs) Yoga, yeah. Yo, yoga, you'll never get any sex injuries. It's true. It's true. Consistently do yoga, you'll never get no like. It's true, and you know, I talk to a lot of people too that all are trying to reclaim their bodies and really like start to feel okay about sex again. And I talk to people a lot that have lost a great deal of weight, where they said at one point in time they absolutely hated their bodies, and then they were finally somewhere where they were like comfortable enough to start kind of coming out of the closet with what they actually think they're into. You know, so Mm. people start going through like a transformative process of like self-acceptance and then say you know what maybe I'm not straight (laughs) you know (laughs) maybe maybe I'm ready to address like who I think I am and kind of move forward with that so I see a lot of that where where it begins with like a physical transformation 
Okay. And then once that happens for someone, they start thinking like, oh, you know, maybe it's time for me to like branch out and try something different because they're finally feeling like confident enough to go forward with it. Hmm. A lot of people that have had gastric bypass surgery, I'll meet. Really? Yeah, because they had been to the point where they didn't want anyone to touch them and felt disgusted by themselves for years. Wow. So they're like going through trying to reacquaint themselves with the idea of like being sexual. Then I meet a lot of people too who have a partner who's died and they're not ready to date anyone, but they're trying to find some sort of a sexual outlet because they're not ready to be dating someone. They're not ready they're to be emotionally involved, involved with, with somebody else, but they kind of right. want some sex. So they, yeah, or they mm. start subscribing to things on OnlyFans, things like that, start following different things because they're like, okay, you know, this isn't really happening in my real life, so this is the entertainment that, like, fills the time in, you know? Okay. Wow. A lot of that going on. Interesting, man. Interesting. Yeah, I encounter a lot of interesting people and a lot of people, too, that are extremely honest and open with me about who they are and they feel like, you know, someone in sex work, like, we're the least judgmental of anybody seeking us out. Like, we're not ever going to tell you, like... We're not going to give you, how do I phrase it? We don't think there's anything wrong with seeking out sex work in an ethical way. And we actually applaud people that are good customers of ours that make our lives easier. You know, it's like a mutual understanding. It's like a respect, just like any other type of professional relationship. Right, it's extremely professional It's the same thing, it's just in a different... And people talk about, oh, well, do all sex workers hate their jobs? I'm like, I'm sure there are people that do. And then I'm sure there are people that, you know, are doctors that hate their jobs too. (laughs) You know, it's just the nature of any kind of repetitive work or, you know... So it's not an end-all, be-all, but it's a field that's always going to exist. We're always going to be part of culture, and I feel like we're a group of people that no matter how hard people try to push us down, we've realized we have to stick together as a community Mm -hmm. and keep each other safe because we're kind of away from the watches of a lot of people to notice what's going on with us. Like I was telling you, like when we deal with censorship, We feel like we're the canary in the coal mine for things that are about to happen. Because if you start to say, well, we want all escorts, dominatrixes, sex workers, cam girls off the internet, people can usually agree to that because it's saying like, oh, well, we don't want adult content somewhere children can see it. But then you start getting into, well, where does it draw the line between adult content and like not adult content? You know, to where there's a lot of content that's clearly sexual in nature but it would fall under those categories, like Victoria's Secret catalogs, okay? <laughs> right. Why is this okay? But it yeah. looks exactly like someone advertising that they're a model. You know, what makes one okay and not the other? And it's the, the product. <laughs> right, right. What would be a way where somebody listening could, you know, find ways or find resources to support the sex worker community? What would be a way, so, to, what would be um, some ways people can do that? Well, definitely I advise people that don't know, like, pay for your porn. If there's a few people you like, sign up for their OnlyFans. People have this imaginary thought that some people are making a lot more revenue than they are. But the sites actually do take quite a bit of, you know, their money that they get from streaming and things like that. So it always helps whoever, if you follow them on sites like that, because everyone is at risk any day to lose their Instagram accounts. 
So starting to follow them on other sites. Yeah, so cross. Yeah, make sure if you right. like someone, if you like, if someone, you like someone, follow them somewhere other to follow them than right. Instagram. That's for individual they- workers, like to support individual people that you're following. Like sign up for their mailing list. You know, they right. have on their right. website right. things like that, or follow them on OnlyFans. Because if there's a chance that they can lose their accounts any given day, then it cuts them off from the internet. And when they lose all their following, it takes people a long time to regain that. Okay. So that's just the way I tell people that how you can personally support everyone and it doesn't cost anything. Just sign up for their email lists and find other places to follow them. But as far as supporting the actual community, um, I tell people, honestly, you know, if you start to see people talk about decriminalization, that's one thing, but it has to start from within to where people have to start like, you know, I appreciate so much that a lot of people use the term sex worker. You know, people don't make jokes about, you know, dead hookers to me, things like that, you know, to where it's almost like as a culture, we have to be better than making fun of people in sex work because it actually brings us down and makes people think that it's, you know, acceptable. Like all the, the jokes that I hear about people murdering sex workers, I'm like, yeah, kind of not funny. And when people perpetuate this, it continues to make us think that we're so worthless that no one will look for our bodies, things like that. Like the jokes people make are wow. like... You know, yeah, to where it's heavy. like, let's all make fun of, like, rich, rude people, not sex workers. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, like, we're just one group of people that everybody feels like they can shit on. <laughs> right. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's some good advice. Yeah, so I guess we'll wrap it up here. And uh, I guess it's time to go make another refill of the Bloody Valentine drinks. I guess one last thing. And stay tuned because the other guy's going to come on in the production at the end here with the sad girl goth remix we're gonna do but can you leave us with one final thing mistress of sure the saddest sad girl album that like if you were gonna like sad emo girl you're gonna listen to one record start to finish what record emo girl sad emo girl record what would you what record would you put on i'm gonna say amy winehouse back to black all right all right. You know, not the most traditional thing that you would think about, but, you know, it's like she's singing about how she's just a tragic train wreck and, like, how much her life is out of control. So it's, like, very relatable. So it's, like, sad, but it's an upbeat album. So it's wow. kind of like a party anthem. I can't anthem. wait to listen to that. I'm going to listen to that tomorrow morning. It's party anthems for depressed people. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to listen to that for breakfast tomorrow, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you never got into Amy Winehouse? Not really. And I I mean, I've, I've heard her songs. I definitely have, like, watched some, some of her performances and things. But I honestly don't think I've ever, like, sat. She's, I don't a, think she's I, a tragic love story. Yeah. I just don't. I don't think I've ever, like, listened to her whole album. Yeah, stuff, like, she's Gun a to tragic. Gun, so tragic character yeah. that left us way too soon yeah but I'm, I'm thank you for like picking that because that now is gonna make me listen to one of her out al- you know yeah. probably all of her albums you know what i mean yeah. now i mean but that's cool because i like i like doing that like i like finding an album like or something like that that like oh, i never listened to this start to finish yeah what really attracted me to amy winehouse is she has a soul singer's voice you know, she has this intense, soulful voice, and the things that she's singing about are, like, very relatable to where she's upfront about that she's an alcoholic, she doesn't know what day it is, <laughs> you know? Right, 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 right. She's the cause of all of her own problems, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, like, she's very self-aware, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. 
Yeah, no. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Thanks for coming to spend some time in the wine cellar. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. That was episode 10 of the Flatiron Happy Hour podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. The other guy's going to come on with some goth, sad death metal for us here. Maybe <laughs> sad goth techno remix or something, maybe. But uh, thank you, mistress, for joining us. And everybody have a uh, happy rest of your weekend. We'll see you later. Check one, two. Look, look, I apologize if anybody was looking forward to death, thrash, metal, goth, whatever, whatever you're talking about. It just it didn't happen that way. Uh, it did not. I apologize if that's what you were looking forward to hearing. I got something better. At first, it's amazing all the interesting people that we have had on the show. I mean, just the people that you know, man. It's 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 pretty awesome. Mr. Sam, I want to thank you for something you pointed out to me. Amy Winehouse. And I, I, I didn't discover Amy Winehouse until she died, unfortunately. So I got a little surprised. But there's so much to talk about. I mean, episode 11, if anybody cares, we're going to, it's going to be JP and the other guy uh, live. Maybe some live performances. Maybe just a recap of, of the last 10 episodes. Or maybe look into the future because there's definitely some announcements coming that I'm not even gonna not even gonna mention I'm gonna let I'll let young Jeff excuse me let Jeff aka yum talk about that so episode 10 done coming up my rendition of Amy Winehouse rehab I, I know rehab was more of the commercial track off that album but I, I don't care my rendition of Rehab by Amy Winehouse. I hope you enjoy it. Once again, everyone, thanks for being a part of our family. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all that. And uh, stay tuned for episode 11. JP and the other guy. Flatiron Happy Hour Podcast. Big things. Peace.